Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. Today we continue learning Pirkeavot, Ethics of the Fathers, and we're in chapter 6, Mishnah 5, where it says, Do not seek greatness for yourself and do not crave honor. Let your performance exceed your learning and do not lust for the table of kings. For your table is greater than theirs and your crown is greater than their crown and your employer is trustworthy to pay you remuneration for your deeds. So, Rabbi Tversky in his book, uh, um, in his book Visions of the Fathers, I always like to give credit to where I take the information from, uh, he says that this chapter six that we're almost done, this chapter six of the, of the Pirkei Avot really is like a recopilation of all the other Mishnayot that we already learned. And it says that chapter six stresses the overriding importance of Torah study. So this, this chapter is more focused on the importance of learning Torah, on how important it is that people should learn Torah. And so, therefore, think that a scholar who is totally occupied with Torah study is exempt from performing mitzvot. This midrash points out the fallacy of this idea. So people think like, yeah, if he's learning Torah all day in the yeshiva, he's all day there. He doesn't have to give tzedakah, he doesn't have to help his wife, he doesn't have to teach Torah, he doesn't, because he's too busy learning Torah. What it's telling us, this, this, this Mishnah, is that that's completely a wrong approach. Like a person, is the other way around. A person learns more Torah, he becomes more responsible for the mitzvot. Because he, he's learning all day how to, to fulfill mitzvot. So he knows better how to do them. So if Shabbat comes, he has to treat Shabbat at the level of his knowledge. He cannot do less than what he knows. So, so it says this Mishnah points out to that fallacy of this and it says let your performance exceed your learning. That your life should be even more than what you know. Should be in a higher level. And the more one knows of Torah, the greater is his obligation to implement it. Uh, the knowledge uh, and the performance of the mitzvot. So Yalkut Yehuda cites a dialogue between two sages, Rabbi Elazar ben Parta and Rabbi Hananiah ben Teradion, both of whom were imprisoned by the Romans in the times of the destruction of the Second Temple. And Rabbi Hananiah was one of these ten sages that were martyred at that time and he was burned at the stake there was a Torah scroll that he learned Torah all day all day all day all the, that's all he did he was very handsome and um, and the, and the, and it says that Talmud relates that he was wrapped around a Torah scroll and he was put he was put on fire and this is the way he died and the, as the Torah scroll was being consumed by the flames, Rabbi Hananiah said to his students to, to, that were there with him, the parchment may burn, but the letters of the Torah uh, have wings and they fly. They soar up, they go up. And so Torah is not destroyed when it, the enemies burn a Torah scroll, a scroll. You know, in the times of the Holocaust, there were a lot of Torah scrolls that were burned and a lot of Jewish books and, and holy books. And they, it reminds me of that because the letters of the Torah, they have their own life. They're not material. 
maybe they are written in ink, but in reality, they, they are alive. When you, when you speak them, when you verbalize Torah, they, they, they soar up, they go high. So Rabbi Hanina, Hanania said to Rabbi Elazar, you are fortunate that you are in prison because of your Gemilat Hasidim. Gemilat Hasidim is acts of love and kindness. And by virtue of this, you were spared. So he was not the, one of the martyrs. So he says, I was involved only in Torah study. And the ta Talmud comments that Rabbi Hanania also had to his credit Gemilat Hasidim. It's not that he only learned, he also did Hesed, he also did kindness. It was precisely because he surpassed Rabbi Elazar's Torah, uh, Rabbi Elazar in Torah scholarship, that it was incumbent upon him to surpass, surpass his, his acts of love and kindness. So because he did not do so, this detracted from his merits, and these are the extraordinary standards to which our sages were held. So what it's saying here is that the, because Rabbi Hanina uh, also learned all day, it's not that he didn't do Gemilas uh, Asidim, uh, it's not that he didn't do acts of love and kindness, that he didn't do mitzvot, he did mitzvot, but they were not at the level of his learning. So the requirement for our deeds to exceed our learning may be symbolized by the mitzvah of tefillim, and this is really nice what he puts here. He sees the tefillim is put on the arm, which represents action. The hand represents action. It's put actually in the left hand, it's done in the left hand, and it represents action. And it's to remind us that our action must follow the teachings of the, of the Torah, of the parchment, parchment that is contained in the tefillim, which go in the head, go here, in the mind. This is our intellect. So the tefillim worn on the head represents our intellect, which should be primarily directed towards the parchments within it. The tefillim on the arm is put on, the, on first. First, the man puts on the, the tefillim on the arm, and then it's taken last. So he puts it first, then he puts the one on the head, and then he takes off the one on the head, and then he takes the one off the one of the arm. So we thus wear it a bit longer than the headpiece. And this is a symbol that the, of, this, of this Mishnah, that our actions and our performance of mitzvot should exceed our knowledge of Torah. So uh, it says here at the end of this Mishnah, it says, and your crown is greater than their crown. Like we shouldn't be jealous of the, of the, of the table of kings. And we shouldn't be, um, we shouldn't have lust for that. And we sh for your table is greater than theirs and your crown is greater than theirs. So w what Rabbi Tversky is saying here is that we should compare the achievements of kings to those of Torah scholars. So let's take the kings of, of the past. When a king used to die, they would bury the king and make a mausoleum for him. That's, that's what the king left, right? There was nothing more than he left. And uh, there was a nice sculpture, a breathtaking sculpture, and uh, people would come by and would say like, wow. But when a, a Torah scholar dies, God forbid, he leaves so many books that he's written, so many shiurim that he's given, so many lessons that he gives to other people that this lives on forever. It never disappears. Like, look, we, we're reading Pirkei Avot, these Mishnahs. They come from the times of the Talmud, of these sages, and we're still learning from them. 
and they're gone. Many, many, many centuries of years ago, I, I teach Hovosa Levavote, which is a thousand years old, this book, and we're still learning the teachings of, the, of Rabbi Bahia Ibn Pakuda, or when you take the Humash, it was written by Hashem given to Moshe Rabbeinu more than 3,500 years ago, and we're still learning them. So we do not remember King David, who was a holy, holy man, it, because of the mausoleum they let him. We remember King David because of that the healing book he left for all of us. Till today, it's a, it's a source of, 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 of strength for all the Jewish people. In times of sorrow, in times of joy, in times of everything, we take our Tehillim with us. So, so we say that the sages of the Talmud, Rashi, Rambam, and all our great Torah scholars are very much alive today and they speak to us in their Torah writings and their teachings and indeed we learn the teachings of the sages their lips keep moving even in their graves so the crown of Torah is far greater than the crown of, of kingship so I leave you here I wish you a blessed week and remember live a little higher thank you 